Hello, anyone and everyone, and welcome back to a brand new theater podcast, Lying Awake. My name is John Arlen Baines. Alex Price is once again not with us this week. Life picked up very quickly for both of us, um, and so he's off doing his shenanigans, and I am at the helm once more. You're stuck with me, so welcome back. Today is a very special episode, and I'm very excited. Uh, We have a group of local artists here with us this week who are engaging in a year-long project to feature and amplify Black artists in the community of our home community, South Bend, Indiana. This project is led by my new friend, Pierre Cooks. I'm in a show with him right now. When he told me about the project, I was like, well, we need to get we need to get the word out. We need to make sure people know that this is happening because it sounds like an absolutely amazing project. I'm going to let him talk about it. But first, let's meet our incredible guests, starting with uh, Pierre. We'll have you go last so that you can segue right into the project. So let's start with Larissa Lichon. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) It's it's really wonderful to be here and to see all of you. My name is Larissa LaSure. I am an actor, director, and uh, educator here in South Bend. I've lived here for the better part of my life. I've moved away and done things other places and come back here. Um, uh, I think actually a fun bio fact for me is that I've worked with every last one of these people, and that makes me extremely happy. Um, the last show that happened at South Bend Civic Theater before all of this started was Jim of the Ocean and Pierre choreographed and brought these beautiful women in as dancers for the beginning of the show and it it truly was magnificent I actually this past weekend got to watch some the the archival video of it um and I was most impressed and, and very very proud so it's wonderful to see you again thank you very much Larissa mm-hmm. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Let's move right along to Michelle. Hi, I'm Michelle Jewell. Um, I have lived in this area um, basically my entire life. I moved here from Chicago when I was nine. So I still claim Chicago is my hometown in my heart, but um, I grew up in Dowagic, Michigan, have lived and worked in in the Nile South Bend area ever since. Um, I am predominantly a dancer. I have some musical background as well in terms of, of clarinet, bassoon, that kind of thing. Ooh, I've done yes. some acting, um, but, um, but dance has always been my passion. I uh, gave it up for a number of years and just recently in the last five or six years have gotten back into it um, and it's feeding my soul. And I'm thrilled to, to be a part of this project in particular. Pierre is, is uh, someone that I met through the dance company that I joined and um, he and all of the rest of those people are just the most beautiful souls. Uh, Nikisha is also part of that company. And um, as Larissa said, we were lucky enough to work with her through, the, through South Bend Civic. So the symbiosis of all of us coming together again for this really special and intriguing project is, is really thrilling to me. And I'm happy to be a part of it. Ah, oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Michelle. Would you mind sharing a little bit about... Um, just what the dance company is called and, and how long you've been involved with it? Sure. The company is called Uzima Drum and Dance, and it is an Afro-contemporary company. It's the only one in this area the, that I'm aware of anyway. It was founded by Kelly Morgan um, 
in uh, 2012, I believe, no, 20, year. when was it founded? Do you remember? Um, I wanna say it was 2013. Uh, okay, um, 2013. Yes. Um, and it started out, I believe, as, as sort of an exercise um, group and grew into an actual legitimate dance company. And we have performed um, at the DeBarlow Center, we've performed at St. Mary's, we've performed at a number of festivals and events around the area. And um, in a nutshell, our mission is to simply reach out to the community and leave it in a better place than when we found it. Um, we just wanna bring joy, we wanna bring wholeness, health, life, that's sort of our, our motto. Um, and it's, it's just really a collection of people who have some training, a lot of people who don't have training, but all of us have come together with just the passion, excuse me, the passion and the spirit for dance and for art and for love in general. And it's mm. just a fantastic group. Incredible, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> all right, let's introduce uh, Ms. Nikisha, please. Hi everyone, my name is Nikisha Elena Alexis and I am here in the capacity as a creator uh, myself. I wear a lot of hats within the community, but that's, that's what brings me to this conversation. Um, I'm originally from Trinidad, um, which is an island in the Caribbean. I uh, grew up in New York City and have been in um, Elkhart since 2004. Um, for about seven years, I didn't know how that happened, but um, I'm grateful to be here and, and now really do consider this place to be home. Um, I, um, I danced with uh, Pierre and Michelle. It's a, a, new, a newer love of mine. And um, I also have a music and poetry project that I do called Rebel Noir. Um, and I work with a band called The Accomplices. Um, so, you know, that's the, I'm, I'm happy to lend my, the musical, musical gifts to, to this project. Um, uh, the band is fairly new. I, I, um, liked singing a lot as a kid. I had a history teacher that was also a choir teacher that, um, was a spectacular human. And so just didn't, wasn't singing for a long time and, have made that it's not a career but it's also not a hobby at this point so um yeah happy to be with you all and and joining this amazing thing that Pierre is creating yes so happy to have you thank you nikisha all right mr pierre please introduce yourself yes hello my name is pierre cooks um i'm spearheading the project that everyone's been talking about this whole time Thank you all for listening and thank you, John, for having me and all these wonderful and beautiful women on, the, on this podcast today. Um, I have been a part of the theater world, dance world, performing arts world for a good long while now. I'd probably say close to 10 years um, in this, well, generally speaking, um, close to 10 years in the performing world within the community and just doing work within the community. I'd probably say it was closer to eight years um, that I've been involved between South Bend Civic and Uzima. Um, and getting started with Uzima, I was just a dancer at first, but Kelly Morgan, the beautiful Kelly Morgan, <laughs> I love that woman with all of my heart. Um, she 
really kind of took me under her wing and became almost, she became all the things to me. She became a sister, a friend, a mother, um, a mentor, and really kind of took me under her wing. And eventually I got promoted to assistant director of the company. And so alongside her and her daughter, Zoe Morgan, the, the three of us run um, the company as artistic director and um, and assistant director. And we've got a lot of beautiful people kind of helping us along the way. Um, Michelle is our director of communications. And so if you ever need to get in contact with Uzima for bookings or anything, you can hit her up. Um, <laughs> but yes, so Uzima is a really, really big part of my heart. Um, but also so is the theater world. Um, and that's how I met John and Larissa, actually. Um, Larissa, I met during The Color Purple in 2013. And John, I met, um, he was actually in Gospel a couple years back. Oh. And yeah. I went to go see him. And when we joined the show together, I was like, watch this guy looks so familiar. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but um, it clicked later on, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's the one that went to, to do a cruise right afterwards. I don't know if you guys know this, but John did cruise line work. <laughs> um, and he's just an incredibly talented human, and I love him. Um, but I love you too. So about this project that I'm working on. Yes, yeah. tell us about the project. Tell us, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a, um, it's, it's a really big deal for me because it is something that I never thought that I'd do and it was an idea that I came up with and um, so a little bit of background about me I never really felt confident enough to kind of open my mouth when big things needed attention <laughs> um, or when little things needed attention even and so I also never really felt like I had a space to express my truth um, in a lot of different areas of my life. And so in light of everything that's going on in the world between the unjust murders of Ahmad and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and countless others um, over centuries even, um, I feel like the time to look for those spaces was had come to an end and the time to create those spaces for myself and other members of the community and in the world um, was now. And so that's kind of what this is. It, it's a response, a bold response to everything that's going on um, because it's necessary. The title of the project is called The Black Voice. And so for me, what that means is so long um, black people felt like they really did not have an outlet for expressing their voices. And when they did, it was frowned upon. We were viewed as someone who complained about things um, or ungrateful or just flat out ignored. <laughs> um, and so this particular project kind of lends a platform for people to express their experiences and their truths. But not only that, it also is creating um, a space for people who are not black um, to kind of listen and to learn and to hear these different perspectives. And so they can kind of learn the difference between sympathy and empathy in a way um, as it pertains to all these different, different subject matters. So um, I've got all these wonderful women here who are writing for me um, because they're brilliant writers. And so what I've done is I've con contacted them and a plethora of other writers in the area who are Black people and people of color who um, are lending their talents to write about different subject matters um, that I've given them from 
religion to being black and gay or LGBT to interracial relationships to being biracial um, to the African diaspora, just a plethora of different topic matters that they feel passionate about, passionate enough to write about their experiences. Um, and so they're expressing a lot of vulnerability in these, in these songs, raps, spoken word, um, any and all things. And so when they do that, they bring those pieces to me and I create a dance movement alongside of alongside other different choreographers and dancers in the area oh, wow. who are also Black. And we create a dance video um, to their work. And we release it on the 16th of every month. So the function behind that is the 16th of July is my birthday, <laughs> which is um, July 16th. It's actually next week. Um, yes, it is. I'm really, really excited, um, but not because it's my birthday, but because um, because it's launching something that I really feel like will make a difference and an impact in this community. And it could reach areas that are outside of South Bend in the Michiana area. Um, and if it does, so be it. But I'm really excited for the impact that it could make in this particular community. So am I correct so, yes. in assuming that all of the artists that you're gathering for this project are from our, our local artists are from the community? Yes, they're either local to this community or local from this community. Okay. Um, I have a couple of friends who are working on the project that currently live in Chicago, um, but they are from here and they relocated a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. or a little less than a year ago, actually. So um, they're new to the Chicago area. They still have a lot of roots at home, and I trust them um, as writers and people who are very passionate about um, what this project means and what it could potentially bring. And so as I am with everyone who's writing on the project. So. Yes. so we are doing that. And then to follow, the weekend to follow, the Saturday to follow every video release, um, will be a Zoom talkback meeting just for people to kind of decompress and to talk about the things that they might have taken away from the video that was posted from the song or poetry piece that was posted um, and kind of talk about that. Okay. Um, and so who joins who joins the Zoom talkback meeting? Anybody and everyone that is willing to learn. So we'll have... Um, We'll have the writer and we'll have someone, a member of the community there to answer questions um, involving the history of that subject matter or someone who's very passionate to kind of talk about their experiences and answer questions. Um, a sort of leader in that, um, in that particular uh, realm or topic point. So okay. the first one that we're releasing is Black History. So I've got a couple of Black historians um, who will talk about the history of African American culture and be there to also answer questions um, that anyone in the community who decides to join these Zoom talkbacks may have. And so I think it's a great opportunity for people to learn. I feel like there will be a lot that I learn um, because I'm not a historian and I feel like there's a lot of fun facts that um, that I think will be really, really beneficial in the long run. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so. All right, thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you for that thorough explanation. Um, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see all of the work that comes, comes <laughs> from this peer. I'm, I'm, I'm giddy. Your shoulders 
others are too small, you can't carry anymore. Your shoulders are too small, you can't carry anymore. You can't carry anymore. You that was Nikisha Elena Alexis performing her song Shoulders under the nom de plume Rebel Noir. You can find this track and another wonderful piece called This Time on major music platforms. I found this one on Spotify. Look forward to her collaboration with Pierre on another original piece entitled Truth Teller for his project The Black Voice. This video drops on Pierre's birthday tomorrow, July 16th, 2020. All right, welcome back. Just to synthesize some information that uh, Pierre gave us, Pierre is leading a project called The Black Voice. On the 16th of every month, starting on his birthday, July 16th, there will be a new uh, video, a new art piece, a new creation featuring a Black artist from the community. It's everything from spoken word to rap combined with dance and music. Um, featuring the Black Voices of South Bend. Then, every Saturday following the debut of the video, there will be a Zoom talkback led by Pierre, the creator of the piece, as well as different facilitators who can expand on the topic that was covered in the art piece. You can get access to the Zoom link uh, via the project's Facebook page. Uh, it will also be available, uh, the Zoom link will also be available at the end of each video. You can also find them at Pierre's personal social media pages, which I will let him list now. Yes, so you can find me, Pierre Cooks, um, on Facebook. Also, the title of the project is The Black Voice. If you type that in any social media platform or any Facebook um, search engine, um, it should pop up and you'll be able to find that page and like it and find all the Zoom link meetings or Zoom links to all the meetings um, that are to come in the future, should they be posted in advance. I will also um, be putting those links via Instagram as well. So you should be seeing that on my own personal Instagram, which is also Pierre Cooks. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Fantastic. That's yeah. P-I-E-R-R-E Cooks. All right, I wanna to touch on something that you said because I'm a person who loves language and I think you worded it beautifully. You spoke about, uh, you spoke about the difference between sympathy and empathy. I would yeah. love for uh, anyone who would like to, um, to speak about specifically the difference between those things. I have my own opinion, but I, I would love to hear from the group like the difference between uh, sympathy and empathy and, and and why you feel that's so important, especially for this, uh, where this project is concerned. Let's start with, uh, let's start with our communications director, Ms. Michelle. I knew it. I mean, it, my first gut reaction is to go pull up the dictionary, actual literary meanings of those two words and compare them. However, I think that's a little too clinical. Okay. Uh, for me, the difference between sympathy and empathy is feeling. Um, sympathy, you can sympathize with, with just about anybody. You know, someone loses a parent and, and you feel sympathy for them. I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, you can hear about one of these tragic 
incidents that happens almost daily to a person of color. Someone is detained in, incorrectly. Someone is literally murdered in their home. Um, oh, that's too bad. That should never have happened. That's a sympathetic response, sort of. But an empathetic response is one that requires you to look a little deeper, for you to make an actual connection on a human level and think about how that happened to begin with. Where did the impetus come from that another human being can cause such tremendous harm and pain and actual loss of life to another human being? Hmm. And very often those incidents involve some implicit bias, um, whether it be the person's skin color, the person's um, heritage, the person's religion, the person's sexual orientation. If you can't empathize with someone on a simplistic human level and not bring all of that other stuff into play, we have a problem. Hmm. We will never all be the same exactly, nor should we be. But we are all the same in terms of sharing the human race. And we need to be able to look at one another with that kind of love and acceptance and at least very basic understanding in terms of that person's life is as valuable as mine. I don't agree with everything that they do, but they deserve as much respect and as much opportunity to live their life the way they choose to live it as I do. Mm. And so I think there's a lot of empathy. Empathy, I think, is really the thing that is lacking in all of these inter interactions, whether it be with the police, um, whether it be with our government officials, whether it be with your coworkers, um, even some family members. Um, if we can all just take a step back and try to see a situation from an empathetic point of view instead of a pitying point of view mm. or a point of view, or even a sympathetic point of view, I think we will all find ourselves in a better place to move forward. Thank you, that was very well said. I think, um, I think when you said it's it's rooted in, in in feeling is the difference between the two. That's a great that's a that's a wonderful way to put it. And I think that that's one of the reasons why empathy can be so dicey. Because how can you measure feeling? How can you measure how much feeling or empathy someone has for someone else? And then when it comes into these um, dangerous, conflicting situations with with law enforcement, how do you know that that law enforcement has any empathy? You know what I mean? You have no idea. So one of the things that many of um, at least here in South Bend, uh, the, the many of the Black Lives Matter protests and rallies have been calling for is something called the Intercultural Development Inventory, the IDI. It's a way for people and organizations um, to, to have, um, how do I wanna word it? It's, it's a tool for measuring a person's empathy, if that, if that thing can be even possible. But it's a way for like the organization to be reflected back to itself and say, okay, here are some things in the room that we didn't know were in the room. This is something that, uh, that many of the rallies and, and protests have been calling for, for law enforcement agencies to adopt. I'm unsure whether or not they have yet or what talks um, have been happened, but please do look it up and, and see, um, see some ways that you might be unaware of your own implicit bias uh, and, and how you can carry that forward with you throughout your life. Thank you very much, Michelle. I would also like to talk about um, 
something you said, Pierre, taking up space. You talked about how it was difficult for a long time for you to take up space, whether it was a big issue or a small issue in your own life. Um, you expressed a discomfort with taking up the space to address those things. Um, I would love to give um, the um, Larissa and, and Nikisha that um, since we haven't heard from you two yet, I would love to give you an, an opportunity to talk about that subject. Do you share that that experience that that Pierre spoke to? Um, what has your journey been like with taking up space in your own life, uh, personal life, at work? Anything that you feel is relevant that you'd like to share? Yeah. Well, I wanted I wanted to also before going there. Um, just note that the intercultural development inventory is actually something that I that I work with in my in my day job. Oh, wow. um, so I do um, intercultural competence and undoing undoing racism, undoing oppression work um, from an intersectional perspective. So okay. the IDI is definitely um, a very helpful tool around measuring how we interact with difference. Um, and, you know, there's sort of a scale that you can place yourself on um, or that the assessment places yourself on and um, a development plan that comes with it. So oh, what's wow. beautiful about that um, resource is that it doesn't just sort of leave you hanging in the breeze, right? Like, okay, so I'm here. What, what am I supposed to do about it? Um, it? It does come with a plan that people can work with. So. Um, I'm, I definitely would be open to talking with anybody as well who's interested in, in that side of, of some of what I do. Um, Thank you very much. I didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Happy to, happy to, to note that. Um, I think what some of the things that's coming to mind as far as voice, it, it feels very interesting being a Black person in the U.S. from Trinidad. Um, hmm. And... I've, I've been reflecting on that a little bit more these days and without diving into to all of the things. Um, coming from a, a small country where most of the people who are around me were brown and black people. I went to a small school where I think I remember one person who was white. Um, and, you know, looking around on the television, looking around in government, my doctors come spending the first 10 years of my life in a place where black people could do it, anything and everything. Um, that, that, if that just wasn't an aspiration, but was actually also a reality that you could see that people were self-determining having come out of a colonial history. Um, we, we also, my, I think that either the motto or the national anthem says for every creed and race find an equal place. So I grew up as a school age child singing that all the time. And so to come into a US context where as a black person, people were telling me I couldn't do certain things. Um, it didn't register. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think there are ways in which, of course, I, people struggle. I think something that's widespread, to, to Michelle's point, is that I think human beings within the social constructs that we've set up all struggle in some way with their voice. Um, I think it's definitely a bigger struggle for people who are oppressed and certainly in an anti-Black reality. So there are ways in which I, I know that I have shrunk 
Um, but but coming into this space with with a really strong strong foundation too really helped. So I I find that I am the person in the room who's like. I'll I'll say it, <laughs> you know. It's like, uh, or when I have a setback and I feel a real strong sense of defeat, my what my brain goes to is, what can I do instead? Like, my running motto is, I don't know how to stay down. Um, mm-hmm. And so that there there are certainly in terms of interpersonal relationships places where I have not been been honest with myself or true to myself or honored my feelings. You know, I don't, I don't want to put out there that like I'm some sort of superwoman. Um, but socially in a social context too, I, I feel like having that, that history has made it possible for me to speak up um, and to, to make certain moves in the community that people who have, it, you know, for African-American people who have been routinely, brutally silent hmm. is, 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 a, is, a, is a, it's more complicated. There's, there's complicated dynamics there that, that I, I appreciate and, and have some, some distinction around because of my own background. Absolutely. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, Larissa, you said you're an actor, you're a director, you're an educator. I would love to give, can you talk to me a little bit about your, your creative work and your creative education? What kind, of, um, what kind of educating do you do in the area? When did you begin directing? When did you discover theater? Um, oh, what journey goodness. Been like with these things? Um, you know, I, I started acting when I was a kid. It's really interesting. Um, and, and like without giving away too much, one of the, the, the chapter... Of, of this series that I that I chose when Pierre was putting out his topics was was um, Christianity and, and faith in in the, the black culture because it is it is a, a thing unto itself um, especially black Christians which is which is a really beautiful thing but it was it was something that was given to us like like black people were not Christians, <laughs> as it were, like the, the Western Christianity was given to us. It 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 was something that we that we in, embraced also um, when it, when we needed hope and when we needed it in in the times of slavery when when we needed a, a doctor and and a comforter. Um, these these stories of this Christ in in this Bible became very much ours, and it is it is Im- imprinted just through generations and generations of it. And that faith has become a thing that is extremely strong even today. And that's the background that I came from. So so my my original upbringing, while I had skits and plays and things, music is where I was originally. Um, and instead was was in a grew up in an extremely christian home and background um so what that meant for me was in school i didn't i didn't have theater um we had musicals we 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 knew fiddler on the roof obviously and and all of the the rogers and hammerstein ones but theater wasn't a thing that happened to me and actors were also not a 
a, a role model that I had because what I had instead was a, a church and a community. Uh, and it never, it, it never occurred, even, even though everything and everyone around me could see that what I should be doing is the stage. There was, there was no stage. There was a pulpit. Um, there was, there was a choir loft and, and I, I loved those things very, very much. Um, so then we, I get into high school and there isn't theater like there was. I, I spent maybe like a, some, a year and a half in public school. The rest of my life was spent in Christian education. So there wasn't theater per se. Um, my junior year, I went to Indiana Academy, which is a small Seventh-day Adventist school in Cicero, Indiana. And we didn't have drama of any sort. But I wanted that. I wanted plays, even if it was dramatic, like just the, the ministry that is acting. Mm. Um, and so one of my classmates and I actually started the drama club down there. Uh, and then as I got away from, from, my, from school and education, because I didn't know what I wanted, I, didn't, I, I was going to school for things that I had no idea what it was for. Yeah. I knew I loved reading. Um, I loved Shakespeare. Shakespeare was my first, my first introduction to both literature and theater was Shakespeare. Actually picked up my grandmother's copy. She was a teacher and I found in my basement, which used to be her home, a copy of the complete works of Shakespeare. And I started with the comedy of errors because um, it was just the first of the comedies. And I was so young, like there was no actually reading it, but there was reading it and flipping back to glossaries and, and for, but, but that was, that was it for me. It, reading was as much my drama as anything else. So I got older and and I don't want to say I drifted, but when I finally found theater again, I was probably about 22. I did A Raisin in the Sun at South Bend Civic Theater. Um, and even then it wasn't a let's do this forever. But as my life progressed and things happened, um, it was 2009. And, and really a lot of it was at South Bend Civic Theater. Um, it's where I started directing as well. I, and my, the first show that I actually directed was The Little Mermaid Junior. And it was with kids. And just being around them is so incredibly electric. Um, and you, can, you forget that because it's also exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. Um, so I, I moved to New York. Um, I did hair while I was living there uh, in a little theater that's called the Secret Theater that was unfortunately taken from that city in the midst of this COVID. It, it shut down, which is oh, tragic, um, which is an extremely diverse cast and, and, and a show that, that talks about some heavy, heavy times and some other like really wacky and kind of terrible stuff. Um, but then I moved home. I moved home and, and I wasn't home. I was back. I wasn't acting. My mother asked me if I wanted to help her with a Christmas play at a church school called South Bend Junior Academy. And, uh, and so I started, I, I started writing plays. And so I now have a series of five plays called The Nativity Tales. It's five different chapters that are all kind of intersecting 
There's the innkeeper, the shepherd's tale, the stranger's tale, Joseph, the beloved's tale, and then the mother's tale was the final one, which just happened this past December. Mm. Um, so, so Christianity and faith is so deeply rooted and and theater is also a, a form of worship in a lot of ways that it is it is giving of those gifts but it's something that 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 i i know that i don't talk about a lot i don't feel like black actors talk about it a lot is is the limitations of our faith what what it is that we are allowed to be and not allowed to be because because of a, a relationship with God and, and with Christ and what that looks like. Um, mm. Facing that head on has been a, a really beautiful journey. Um, I feel like it has prospered as well it is, as it has because I've, I have found not just a passion for the stage, but the calling of giving that stage to other generations. And, and that's where it comes in the teaching I've worked with um, St. Matthew's. I've been for the past four years, the director of their drama club, which started out as I was just doing a play in the spring. And then we actually started in the fall. I was teaching classes to them. And then we were doing one act festivals where I had the kids writing and acting oh, wow. out the things they were writing. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, and, and I feel like that journey has very much been blessed by just continuing to do what I'm doing. And yeah. oh, thank you for sharing all that. That you took me on a journey. <laughs> thank you. Um, it reminds me of something that someone said on last episode, a director named Karen Kessler, who's been directing in Chicago for, for decades. Um, she said that she, uh, her father was a pastor. She began in the church and she spoke about how church is theatrical in a way, you know, yeah. worship is and, and, and theater became for her as well, a form of, um, a form of worship. And I think that, that, that exact word worship was used on our very first episode with Alex. It's just interesting that I just wanted to note that this keeps, it's a recurring theme that I had never considered before beginning this. Um, and I also grew, you know, I grew up in the Catholic church and it was, it, it, mm -hmm. it is in a way theatrical. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Thank you very much for sharing that. You're listening to a clip of myself and Larissa LaShore performing in a production of Rent at South Bend Civic Theater in 2010. 2010! That's the last time I've seen Larissa LaShore's face. That's also the summer we met. When I asked her for a soundbite of some of her creative work, she told me to use this ancient clip, one of many that my father posted to YouTube and refuses to take down. And since my dad and I have the same exact name with no junior, any employer who searches our name will find clips like this from when I was 16 and younger. The point is, Larissa LaShore is a dynamic actress and a phenomenal vocalist, as well as a warm and generous person. Ten years was far too long, and I hope to see her again very soon. After her vacation, of course. Look out for her upcoming work with the Black Voice, centering Sojourner Truth. If I know her at all, it's sure to be breathtaking. All right, Pierre, so you are going to drop one of these videos every month on the 16th. Yeah. That mm -hmm. is not beyond just the creative work behind that, which you uh, are blessed to have found such an incredible team to do. Yeah. 
it's a lot of technical work, right? Like there's a, there's going to mm-hmm. be a whole lot of sifting and editing and all kinds of takes. What, what will that oh, look yes. like for you? Or do you, are you familiar with that realm? Like, how are you feeling? Is there a different behind the scenes team that we don't know about? Talk to me about what that's going to be like. Uh, daunting. <laughs> 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 Heavy, because I have I don't have any uh, technical background in that capacity. Okay. My mom is a photographer and as such also a photo editor. Um, and so she does a lot of graphic design things for me. So like um, banners or flyers or anything, I have her to depend on for that. But as far as these videos are concerned, I'm just really connecting with friends and contacts that I have who have background in it who are helping me kind of navigate through through this process and trying to keep it as simple as possible to begin um, simply because I don't have a ton of background so I'm like can I just put the can I just put the soundtrack to the to the dance in the video like just have a single shot uh-huh. have a- <laughs> Just have the the match the sound to the dance. That's all I need for now. Um, and so I've got a couple people who are helping me with that. Actually, um, uh, Mark Albin of Art Four has mm-hmm. been a great help in that capacity. So um, he's helping with that. Um, considering all the work that they've done with Show Two Sunday, he has significantly more background than I do. Anyway. <laughs> um, in, in that regard, also working with a friend of mine who does a lot of social media things. Her name is Sierra Savannah. Um, and she has a business that she um, that she started called See My Heart, where she does a lot of graphics designs. But she started out as a YouTube artist who just edited a lot of her own videos. So she's kind of walking me through some steps about cutting and slicing and placing his there and that there. Um, but it's, I'm still very green to that whole process. And sure. so um, right now it's a lot of, can you do this and I watch? Because I mean, I don't know. I'm all about also very you know, enriching the community um, as well. And so if there's any way that I can kind of use other people to kind of help this project along and also and you know find a way to advertise for them and to get the word out about what they've got going on in the community i'm certainly Mm -hmm. here for it um my logo for for the black voice is actually drawn up by miss michelle's daughter jade jewel wow Um, and it's incredible it's it's really really good the girl's a wicked talented artist she's actually in school at iu for art um and i i decided to contact her because i knew that she was fantastic and she did not let me down wow. um, so i'm excited about it but but yes as far as the background technical technical things it's a lot of um here's what i would like to do can you do it and teach me the ways yeah of you <laughs> yeah um yes it's 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 daunting to say the least just because because every so many things is volunteer i'm working on everyone else's limited schedule but also my own because i just started a new job that yeah. has me working 11 hour days yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> what time like I'm, I'm not usually off earlier than 6 30 p.m and so everyone else is done with their work day which is nice but they're also tired from the sure. work day and so i want to be mindful and considerate of everyone's time sure 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think that just speaks to what an incredible venture that this is going to be for you over the next 12 months. Not only are you doing exactly what you said, but you're creating a space for yourself and for your fellow artists, but you're diving into a whole other set of skills that you're going to learn a ton about over, over the next 12 months. Like that just, I'm really in awe of this and I can't wait to see it. Um, let's return to Michelle. Michelle, can you tell us about your creative work and what you're going to bring to uh, the Black Voice? Uh, I will try. Um, <laughs> I, as I mentioned um, previously, my, my artistic background per se is predominantly in dance, but I've, I've dabbled in other things. I'm, I'm the daughter of a, of a jazz musician. Um, so I have grown up with art and with music and with um, performing art in general my whole life. So that that's sort of been my feeding ground for everything. And, and I, I, I played music for a while myself in high school, but, but found that dance was always my passion. Um, then I discovered, like Larissa, reading and writing has always been something that has been a draw for me as well. And um, discovered in high school that I could also write a little bit. And so that is something that I've been trying to segue more into my life because dance is a very physical thing. And I'm 52, and <laughs> body doesn't work as well. As <laughs> Nikisha's face is shocked. <laughs> so, you know. I need ID. <laughs> <laughs> so using using my skill set in a different way has um, been something that I've been trying to to move into. So I've been doing a, a lot more writing, and with all of the um, fertile ground that has been put into the communal space in, in the recent years, there's a lot that has sparked my um, creativity. Um, and I've been writing a little bit for a, a, an online, I don't want to call it a magazine, but sort of an online journal um, by a friend of mine. And, and it's just sort of a collaboration of, of people who write about things that mean something to them and share their perspective. And so, that gave me, to Pierre's point about finding a way to make your voice heard. I'm also one of those people that is is essentially introverted until I'm on stage, but don't like a lot of conflict. I don't like a lot of drama. I don't want to be the one who brings up a point. I don't want to be the one to put my foot into a conversation that I may or may not be equipped to continue. Um, and at the same time, feeling extremely hamstrung by the reality that my voice needs to be spoken. Mm-hmm. I need to interject myself. I need to give people my, per- my perspective because a lot of my friends heretofore don't look like me, have not had my experience, um, and will not learn anything unless someone like me shares that. So it's, it's been a real interesting walk for me. Um, how much do I share? How do I give myself permission to do that? And where do I find the strength to actually take that first step? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that drive came from an experience that my daughter had um, when she was a freshman and sophomore at a local high school um, that was life-changing for all of us in in not a good way and i'm sorry if i'm going to get emotional because it was a it was 
an extreme situation of racism and bigotry that I have not even experienced in my lifetime. And to watch my child go through something that I had hoped by 2018, 2019, 2020 to have been somewhat in the rear view was profound. And that's when I realized that to be silent is to be complicit. And that is not only for white people, but for black people as well. The more that we don't speak up, the more we allow that kind of persecution to continue. And so my topic for Pierre's project is oppression in general and the cause and effect um, of that. And it's good that mine is a little further down the way because I've got a lot to to figure out in my head as to how I want to structure that and what format I want that to take because there's a lot unpack mm -hmm. that very big topic. Um, but it's a significant one and, it, and it's an important one and oppression takes so many forms and can have so many consequences, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, financial, educational, um, that I have to really be very careful about how I craft whatever it is that I'm going to put out there because sure. there's a lot to say. So I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm also um, scared. <laughs> um, thank you, Pierre, for making me step out of my, my comfort zone a little bit and, and pushing me to, to uh, have a voice because it's important. No, of course, of course. I think this project is kind of bringing a lot of people out of their comfort zone in uh, many different ways. I myself, um, had struggled a lot as to what this looked like and how do I do it and what would it mean to other people that I'm saying something after having never said anything before. Um, just a lot of different areas of my life. It's just very new and green to me, um, including but not limited to writing my own, writing a piece, which I don't think anybody, I've expressed this to anyone, but I'm actually writing a piece which isn't on the docket, but um, but I'm writing a piece that's going to be at the very end um, of the series. Um, and it's very scary for me because I would not consider myself a writer. Um, <laughs> I just wouldn't. Um, I wrote things before and they just never turned out well. But um, I feel like it is important for me to express my experiences um, even more so because I'm asking other people to be vulnerable. Um, and so um, I, I, I have to um, because my voice is important as well as everyone else is important. And so um, it's, it's, it's a really loaded project. Um, and some of the topics themselves are really, really loaded. Um, oppression is just you can go in a lot of different ways with that because a lot of people have, um, a lot of people of color, black people specifically have experienced oppression that looks different to, that are very specific to each of us individually. And the moment that you think you're learning something, the moment that you think you know what oppression looks like overall, you learn something new. <laughs> um, and I think that that was, that's been the, for me, that's been kind of the journey. It's been, a lot of things that are familiar, but also things that I've encountered that I'm like, that's, how, how are you coming up with new ways to make me feel, you know, less than? Um, and I feel like as, as a black person, 
as not just a black person, but also a black artist, it's just been kind of in that world. And so that's, I mean, it's, it's a super necessary topic, but there are many, many, many topics that are kind of the same way. Being black and LGBT is another one that are, that's really specific to, to people. I did not come out until 2000 or no, sorry, last year. <laughs> um, I was 27 years old when, when I had the conversation and said the words to my mom about me being bisexual. Um, and it was a really, really hard thing to kind of grow up with because I grew up in a very religious home. Um, and so kind of walking through that, not really feeling like I can share my truth, but also in that not really knowing and understanding fully what that truth is because everyone says that it's, or everyone that I grew up around said it was not okay. So I never decided to accept it as my truth until not long before I came out. So, um, and having that conversation with my mom, she, it was very interesting timing. I feel like when I, earlier in life, when I felt comfortable in my own sexuality to even express um, that with other people that I was bisexual, I didn't feel that confidence to express it to my mom because, um, because my mom, she grew up very religious and anytime we talked, we talked about me being married and having kids and I didn't know if that was going to be a thing for me in the way that she wanted it to be. But it's very interesting timing that my mom kind of broached the subject um, last year and I was able to be honest with her fully and she she was very very understanding she said the words it's not what I wanted for you but I love you regardless and that always kind of makes me get a little teary-eyed because I mean and I never really wanted much more than my mother's love and our relationship has been so much closer, um, so much better since then. Um, and then my boyfriend posted a picture of he and I on Facebook la on the last day of June and to see the outpour from my family and the comments and love that they kind of shared with me was, was incredible. Um, and so it was just, it's just a very, very, it was a very, very liberating thing. And I didn't know how true it was to, to that, which when people say, when you come out, you just feel like a very free individual. Um, I'm not gonna cry, y'all crying, and I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> Ooh, <buddy. laughs> um, it's, um, I had no idea um, how true that was until it was my story. Um, and so in that, I also, that's another reason why I'm like, we have to do this thing because not only is this um, an experience for people to learn, but importantly, it's an experience for people to hear a different perspective, even, um, even black people. Because for me, I can't count on, I can't count on two hands even um, because there's been so many instances where I've watched a show or heard a poem or heard a song and said, this is my story. Like nobody, I never really heard it that way. And I knew, never knew how to express my truth. Um, but you said that for me. And so 
um, those are the kind of opportunities that I also want to create for the community as a whole and hearing these different perspectives and saying, I have no idea how to put into words what I've been through and you share that. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> I had no idea how to put into words that and you share that for me. <clears throat> you created that space for me to have a greater understanding of what my story is and the confidence to be able to share my story with other people. Um, yes. <laughs> Sorry, Carrie, you didn't have another question, Mr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I was not uh, trying. No, I'm just over here getting watery. Uh, thank you for sharing all that, Pierre. Of course. It does. It hits home, uh, and it sounds familiar, and thank you. Michelle's primary medium of artistic expression is dance, and since this is an audible medium, I can't share an example of her work with you, but I can tell you about a company she dances with called Uzima Drum and Dance. This is from their website, uzimadance.com. Founded by director Kelly Morgan in 2013, Uzima Drum and Dance is a West African Caribbean dance company located in South Bend, Indiana. Uzima has grown from a casual workout class to a flourishing dance company with a passion for its community. We have been fortunate to dance for the University of Notre Dame's DeBartolo Performing Arts Center, Indiana University South Bend, the City of South Bend's Art Beat, and more. Our company features diverse dancers experienced in traditional African and Afro-contemporary styles. We dance for events such as weddings, ceremonies, parties, graduations, and festivals. We are always open to accepting new dancers and looking for opportunities to share our work with the community. We would love to bring the celebration to your event or have you join us in the fun. The audio you're hearing is from one of Uzima's performance videos featuring Michelle Jewell. You can see this video and more at their Facebook page and their Instagram account. Just search for Uzima, U-Z-I-M-A, Drum and Dance. All right, Ms. Nikisha, um, just like Michelle did, I would love if you would to talk a little bit about your creative uh, life and what we can expect without giving too much away. Uh, for your portion of the Black Voice. Sure. Um, yeah, I think my creative life feels a little bit nebulous. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I can't claim to have, you know, danced for all of my life. Um, I don't, I don't have like, I'll, I'll frame it this way. Sometimes, you know, as a, as a, a vocalist, uh, you have to write your bio and I, I look at other artists and the bios are usually like, I come from a long line of <laughs> you know, like singers and dancers. And I grew up, my mom was playing whatever in the womb. Like, you know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't have that uh, part of a biography, if you will. Um, and of course there's no shame or shade with that, but I, I feel like I've sort of, um, uncovered my own creativity and artistic self um, over time. And so I, I started singing in this area. You know, as I said, choir was something that was a part of my background. Um, I, didn't, I didn't pursue it formally or seriously. But um, yeah, oh, this connects so well with this project. I, I got to a place where I wanted to make music. And the music that I was making at first was stuff that I would make up in my head. So I got a really expensive uh, 
program and um, had a really expensive mouse and I, I thought I was going to be a beat maker or whatever. And so I have, I have a lot of music that probably should never leave, <laughs> never leave, you know, my computer. It's like sort of when you get a toy and it's like, <laughs> yes, I can make a ghost train. I don't know what a ghost train is going to do on the song, but I'm going to put it in there. I'm going to right? So like having having uh, uh, all of a sudden toys and and going to town with it, um, and then I got to a place in my life where I had a lot of personal transition and a lot of it was hard, and um, I started singing. You know, I like songs would I'd be singing in the shower. I'd be I'd be singing other places. I'd be writing poetry uh, and. Um, it got to a place where I decided to, I, I was invited uh, by a good friend of mine, uh, Seth, to participate in a house show. I don't even know how that, how that happened. This, this was just a few years ago. And literally I had a clingy clangy tambourine that I borrowed from my church, bless my church at the time. And, and my voice, I didn't, I can't, I, could, I can't play any other instruments. I, I failed as a 14 year old teaching myself how to play piano. It was an expensive failure, a $400 failure. <laughs> but really, I have my voice and, and I had this tambourine and um, I'm singing in a really low lit place and just singing what my, very nervous, I was very nervous and, and singing what my heart had, had drawn up and people responded well to it. Um, and so, you know, from there, sort of like any opportunity that I could find to, to perform, even when I didn't have all of the tools necessary to do it, I wanted, I wanted to take it. Uh, and so that, that has evolved over time into, you know, the, again, this rebel noir uh, creation of mine uh, where I sing and I, I work with other musicians. I've worked with lots of other musicians in this area guitarists, pianists, um, and have, have settled now with, with a pretty good set of folks for a band. Um, and, you know, it's important for me to sing what is either out of things that have happened to me or things that are true to me. Like, I, I can't, I, I'm no longer excited about the idea of making up stories um, or making up lyrics that I think other people will enjoy. It, it comes out of it comes out of real place for me. Um, so the songs that you know, when the project uh, Pierre came to me about the project, I had one song that was already kind of in place called Rosewood, uh, and that song uh, is I wrote um, related to Standing Rock um, protests in particular. Um, and was making a connection. For me, I sort of felt this connection between what indigenous people were going through in order to prevent their lands from being, you know, again, this new form of economic colonization uh, and, and the threat that protesters were facing. And the town of Rosewood, which was an all-black town in Florida that was burned to the ground by um, white people who, uh, based on a false accusation of rape um, by a white woman. Uh, and so, you know, that, that song is one of the songs that, I, that I've contributed to, to the project and I'm excited to see what, what Pierre and, and the group will do with that. 
Um, the other song, without trying to unpack all of the things, uh, the, it's tentatively named Truth Teller at this point. And I frame it as like, that's the first song I actually feel afraid of. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there, I, I, write, I write about being a black woman in, immigrant in the US. That's, that's, where, that's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a song called Plantation Song from a visit to an actual plantation. I have another song called Life in Black. But, but this truth teller song picks up on history um, that, again, because I'm from another part of the Black diaspora of Trinidad, uh, I really had to wrestle with, like, can I sing this song? Um, it, it, is, this, is, this, is this a song, permission is too strong, but, like, am I, can I talk about this part of my history, part of history that is not exactly my history, but that is a history that I had entered into by by being a part of this country for the last thirty years, mm-hmm. um, so it's 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 tough content, but it's also rebellious content. It's also defiant. It's also resistant. I I try not to write stuff that stays within the the place of oppression, but that takes the things that were meant to terrify um, and reframes it. Um, and so I'm trying to think. Uh, of any lines from it, but it it kind of draws on this part of Black history, and and wants to um, rework it in a in a way that is, yeah, that takes something that is that is horrible, um, and puts a puts a puts a dynamic kind of twist to it. I don't want to give it all away, Pierre. You listen to it. <laughs> working with it i don't know if you want to if you want to say more no i think it's um i think it's a brilliant piece it's really really beautiful and stunning work um very creative in in doing that which she just said which is taking something that would that is naturally viewed as something very negative and dark and scary um and reworking it and hearing it in a way that is also creative um, and um, and just different um, and just in ways that we just wouldn't expect. Um, I'm trying not to give away one signature line that I really, really like. <laughs> um, I want to tell you, I want to talk about it, but um, we'll save it. But I won't. Yeah. Um, I think she says um, something along the lines of. Um, um coming to see um um sleeping beauty um by a tree um and i would not have thought to you know kind of talk about um what that actually meant <laughs> in the way that she portrayed it which is something that um it's just very very brilliant i think um and very well done so I I enjoy Truth Teller a lot. I actually blasted in my car on the way to work sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, even though it is kind of heavy and dark, but I mean, I find different things that she's saying every time I hear it, um, but also just a different perspective and how it can kind of relate to the topic that it's talking about, but also 
just relate to different um, areas and different um, instances in life that we wouldn't otherwise kind of equate or associate them with either. So yeah. I think she's a very, very talented songwriter. So <laughs> thank you, girlfriend. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I'll be a part of the talk back too. So, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to put it out there in the ether without, without context. So hopefully that's been mysterious enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am intrigued. You will have to find out on the 16th. That's next week. <laughs> Are you, yours is the first video? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I'm excited. The first video. Um, so that's the first month that we're the first month that we're releasing is um, we talk about Black history, and so this song and this piece will talk about Black history, as well as the the piece Rosewood that we'll release as well, um, and then the Zoom talkback will have some people on there to expand a little bit about it, including but not limited to Nakisha. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I can't wait. Thank you very, very much. All right, Miss Larissa Lashore, your turn. Tell us about what we might expect from your portion of the Black Voice. Well, um, when, when he first kind of described it to me, I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I'm like, something, can I please? I, I thought it was going to be something musical. Um, I thought that I would be singing and then he sent out this list of topics um and i also happen to be in in a place where for for a few years now i've been mostly mentally developing but in the very near future and by that i mean like two days after pierre's birthday i am actually taking a leave of absence from work at my 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 night job and I'm going to be going out to California with my sister, who um, who was actually a pastor at a church in Red in Northern California. Okay. Uh, and and during this time of just decompressing, because one of the one of the really kind of crazy things that happened during this COVID is that I worked the whole of it. Um, oh wow! I was essential, and and I will I will I don't necessarily want to sound like I am complaining about you know having gainful employment and and be finding myself in a position in which i was blessed enough to to pay my bills in a way that many of my friends who are and aren't artists were not mm. but it's exhausting um it, it's emotionally exhausting uh, and then throughout just kind of a snowball of series of events in the midst of this personal events for me that were just compounded by by the the ugliness and the injustice that was happening around me but if i may also say well done south bend like you, their responses to some of this ugliness they're they're using their voice in this space oh, has yes. been a beautiful and powerful thing to see that makes me proud mm -hmm. to be here and to be from here um, that being said, I'm going to California for six weeks with my sister. <laughs> um, and while I'm gone, I will be working on a play that has been formulating in my head for a long while now. And one of the characters in that play is Sojourner Truth. Mm. Um, and she, she is a woman, you know, who, who said, ain't I a woman? Um, but she also has very 
very interesting historical ties to my my own denomination of Christianity, um, which is which was a, a beautiful thing to learn and remember because um, you know it's something that you learn when you're younger and you don't brush that information off but but when you dust it off it it beautiful things can come from it so my chapter will actually be um about her and her faith and her appointments and her disappointments um and there is a there is there will be a little bit of music to it um just because the story of hers that i'm telling she sang um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's what's coming for me. I'm, 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 I'm so excited. I'm so proud of Pierre. I'm, I'm glad I get to say that. I'm proud to know him. I'm proud to work on this. I'm, I'm so, so proud to, to see another year of life in him and, and just the beautiful, magnificent man that he is. Uh, and the, the bravery and the inspiration that he is showing in giving black voices to black voice um, I'm yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> Daniel wow stop it <laughs> no oh my gosh it just makes me it just fills me up um so thank you uh and i hope that the six weeks in california is amazing oh, yes. i hope it is restful yes. and peaceful and you have such a good time with your sister thank you yes. um, good work girl <laughs> All right, Mr. Pierre, tis last me. question for you. Tis you, darling. Tis you. <laughs> uh, last question for you. I would love to hear. Okay, so you are choreographing and, and, and designing movement storytelling, which complements each of these works. Is that correct mm -hmm. in saying? Okay, yes. so I'd love to just hear about how you go about doing that. Are you working with the artists as you're creating movement or do, does Nikisha hand you truth teller and say, here's this and you take it and run with it. And, and they, the artists don't know what you've created until the video debuts. How does that, how's that going? Uh, how will that go for you? Um, so as, as it, at least as it pertains to the first one, it's kind of something that I've had in my head and will um, probably adapt for, each of the pieces to come is that when I get the pieces, I'll read through them. Um, if they have them in a recorded form like Nikisha did, I'll listen to them um, and, you know, see what kind of comes to me um, and what the story means to me and how I would portray it um, in movement on my own, um, kind of marinate with it a bit. Um, and then... <clears throat> after I'll let it stew for a night or two and then I'll contact the artists um, and ask them what their vision was for it. Because I don't want to share my, what I, my takeaway from it until after they share theirs because I want them to feel open and I don't want them to feel like they have to come to conform to my idea about things. Because the whole purpose of this is to express their perspective on things. So I asked the artist, what did you envision when you saw this? If you were to put it in musical, if you were to put it into a music video, what would it look like? If you were to choreograph it via dance, um, what would that look like? Um, and so I get a lot of concepts that from the Keisha that I got and we talk through them and I would try to kind of, then I would let them know what I was thinking. We kind of 
have a little chat about how we can combine our two perspectives and our two ideas um, to create um, a story that we're both um, happy with and that we both think express the song well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's something that I'll kind of adopt for, for the future as well. And then from there, I will incorporate the ideas I've had artistically for, for choreo while also trying to incorporate the ideas that um, the artist had. And I'll work with um, different artists that I think lend a better uh, skill set to the to the style of dance that we go in. So for this particular dance um, with Nikisha, the immediately once I heard it, all I saw was lyrical dance, um, mm-hmm. and it's super super contemporary, modern, and lyrical movement. But I would not fancy myself a strong lyrical choreographer. I can do it for sure, but um, that. As far as knowing that, I just knew that there was somebody out there who, in this area, who I knew had, was very, very good at it. And so I contacted a friend of mine by the name of Andre, um, and he is a very, very skilled lyrical dancer and choreographer. So we kind of tag team and worked on the choreo um, and built something beautiful. Um, but it'll be the same for all the pieces to come. I'd imagine we'll probably dabble in traditional West African dance once we get to um, topics such as the African diaspora, um, where that is kind of my strong suit and my wheelhouse, um, but I'll likely work on it with Kelly Morgan, um, should she feel up to it. So, because she's my mentor and that's where I learned everything I know about African dance from. Um, <laughs> but we also might get into hip hop and I know countless hip hop dancers and just different things. So um, it'll be kind of that same pattern of let's, let me figure it out. Let me talk to, their, to the artist, let us figure it out. And then I'll bring in the extra choreographer to kind of help me along. Amazing. So it's very broadly collaborative from yes, top to bottom. Yes. I love mm-hmm. it. So cool. Absolutely. Amazing. All right, uh, Pierre, Nikisha, Michelle, Larissa, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us today and speaking about yourselves and your work and the project. Um, I would love to go around and just give uh, an opportunity for you to say any last thoughts, anything you'd like to say, as well as ways for any listeners to connect with you online if you are a social media oriented person, if you'd like your work to be spread in any type of a way, where can people find you, connect with you, um, and see more about you and your work? Uh, let's start with Pierre. Um, yes, so I'm Pierre Coots, <laughs> and uh, you can find me on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, kind of Twitter. I don't really spend a ton of time on Twitter, but um, Facebook and Instagram are the, probably the best ways to reach me. You can also reach me via email at pierre.cooks72 at gmail.com. More accurately, that is p.cooks72 at gmail.com. Um, so Pierre minus the ear. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so you can contact me that way. Some of the last thoughts that I really want to leave everyone with is don't hesitate to contact me if you want to help out with this project in any way. Um, and talking with John, he was like, I have a podcast and I would love for you to come on and kind of talk about your, kind of talk about this project. Um, and it was a great help to me to get the word out there a little more, but there are so many other ways that anyone can help 
they don't have to have a platform for me to talk. They talk about things on if you feel like you're very strong in costuming and want to design some things. If you feel like you are an excellent videographer, please, by all means, contact me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yes, so don't feel like you're limited to the things that feel apparent. Um, There are lots of behind the the scenes things that you can help out with. Um, Yes. That's all. Thank you, (laughs) So thank you, guys. Thank you. Michelle, any last thoughts and where can we reach you? Um, I will leave you an email address. I am on social media, but I'm, I'm fairly selective in, in friending people. I don't have a public sure. Facebook page, so I, I'm not going to put my personal page out there. But my email is M as in Mary, B as in boy, Jewel, J-E-W-E-L-L 459 at gmail.com if anyone wants to reach out to me via Gmail. Um, at Pierre already mentioned that I'm the communications director for Uzima. So if you send an email to the Uzima website or, or email, I will be the one to respond. So you can hit me up that way as well. Um, I think my, my last thoughts would be, um, and it's an echoing of, of everything that everyone else has said, just the amount of, of pride and um, excitement that I have around this project and for Pierre's um, desire to take it on and bring it to fruition. And I think it's going to be um, very relevant and very thought-provoking and um, very necessary for this community and beyond. And I'm just really thrilled to be a a part of it, along with all of these other wonderful artists. So thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Larissa LaShore, any final thoughts? Where can we reach you? Um, I am on social media. Larissa LaShore is actually my name on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at, at Risa to the stage, but don't get in touch with me. I got to play it right. <laughs> I'm going to be driving. It's, uh, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, I, I, I love friends. I love having friends. I love this time that I've got to spend with these friends faces who it has been long, long time since I have seen and people whose voices, it's been a long, long time since I've heard. Um, this was, um, a very, very uplifting experience. And, and thank you, John. Thank you, John Arlen Baines for having us. It's my honor and my privilege. I'm thrilled that you're here. Nikisha, any final thoughts and where can we reach you? So I can be reached on Facebook, facebook.com, rebel, R-E-B-E-L, noir, N-O-I-R-E. It's rebel black. I don't speak French. So the noir is French, but don't write to me in French. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be able to, that's not going to work out so well for you. Um, I'm also on Instagram at R-E-B-E-L dot N-O-I-R-E and just got that going and I'm having fun um, posting things there. Um, So Facebook and Instagram are the best ways to get in touch with me. I actually have an artist page on Spotify. So I do have two songs there that um, are available for streaming and purchase uh, this time and shoulders um those are my first like professional recordings so i i yeah would love to to get that out there to more people would love to have more listeners so check that out um and i think 
the one of the things that I want to say, and what I notice about Pierce Project too is, um, I guess the sort of invitation to people not to be limited by what's right in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pierre could have said, and any one of the people here could have said, like, well, I don't know how to do video. I don't know how to do this or that. You know, I could have said, like, I don't know how to play these instruments. I don't. But the, like, I think people are more, can be, I'm inviting people to be more resourceful than they think that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that that's what limits people's voices a lot. Like sometimes folks look around and they're just like, how am I going to do this? And of course there, there are real systemic and personal barriers to being able to, for people being able to express themselves. And at the same time, you can get around a lot more than you think you can. Um, and, and that comes from being in community with people. So, you know, for thank you to Pierre for not being limited by, by what was right in front of you. And, and, you know, having the kind of spirit that builds the resources, that builds relationships that then all people are willing to support you and to lend their resources. Like, it's not just a testament to people's abilities. It's a testament to your, your, your ability to connect with others in a way that I don't know anybody was like, well, do I need to think 3,000 times about whether or not to help here? Like, we were like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? Like, yeah. And, and that speaks to spirit. That's, that speaks to personality. That speaks to your empathy that that speaks to yeah just your willingness to step outside yourself so an invitation to other people too like there there's a lot of ways that particularly as black people none of us should be should be quote unquote according to this system able to express and do the things that we want to do and if we can do it there's there's no reason others others can't or not no reason but that it is possible for others too as well. So seize, seize what you can. Well, there you have it. Episode five wrapped up. And this, uh, I think this has been my favorite episode so far. I, I, I cannot re-emphasize enough Nikisha's final final thoughts just uh when when you don't see and pierre touched on it at the beginning of the episode too so i think it was a wonderful bookend when when the opportunities that you want are not appearing before you are not coming it's just it's it's such a beautiful example that pierre has created for us to see um creating your own opportunities, creating your own space. And then of course, involving your wonderful, super talented friends and colleagues in uh, in your adventures as well is always just wonderful to see. I can't wait for this project. Once again, it is called The Black Voice. It drops the 16th of every month for a full year, starting on Pierre's birthday next week, July 16th and ending on his birthday next year, July 16th, 2021. It will be video uh, content featuring black artists from South, from the South Bend, Indiana area. Uh, everything from rap to dance, to music, to spoken word. Um, 
all of these things combined in a video format, and they're going to be paired with original choreography and movement by Pierre and Pierre's chosen colleagues. Um, the Saturday after each video is released, there will be a Zoom talkback meeting to talk about the content and the material covered in the video. Uh, for example, the first one is Nikisha's video, uh, a piece called Truth Teller, again paired with Pierre's original choreography. And the Saturday after that, Pierre, Nikisha, uh, and as well as uh, what sounds to me like a panel of Black historians are going to be on this Zoom talkback for anyone who's interested, anyone who's open and ready to learn and talk and share um, to talk about the video and to talk about Black history because that's um, largely the subject matter of the first piece. So. Uh, you can look forward to that enriching your life for a full calendar year, and I'm so excited about it. Um, next episode was going to be uh, a panel of music directors. However, as the world is beginning to open back up, everybody's schedule is getting more full. So we're going to do our best to continue to deliver forum-based content. I really like the forum setting. But also Alex and I were talking, maybe it's time for us to recollect just the two of us and pick something fun to talk about as well. So um, I hope no one's salty, but we're probably, it's gonna get harder and harder to stick with the every other week format. Um, but we're gonna continue to give this thing life and we're gonna talk about things that move us and things that uh, are, you know, ignite our passion for theater and for the arts and for creation. Um, and uh, you know into the indefinite future so keep a lookout for us once again my name is john arlen baines it has been a pleasure to be with you over the second episode in a row alex price will be back next episode under pain of death i told him so he will be back with us next episode and we are going to continue to be here for you every time you find yourself lying awake